0: Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, Luke O'Neill here and welcome to my Show Me The Science podcast. Now, this week, I've decided to go for COVID-19. Now, a subject close to all our hearts, as we all remember, and certainly an area that's been uh, fantastically important for me. My own lab has worked on COVID-19 and I'm going to give you an update four years after. Now, isn't that an incredible fact? When I saw myself That it's just over four years since the first report of someone dying of COVID 19 was reported in China. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems like yesterday, but it also seems like decades ago. It was four years ago when that first report of COVID 19 causing a fatality was reported and it's just an incredible the way that time has gone by and of course over that time we've learned so much about the virus and i'm going to give you an update now on where we now stand basically and there is a real there are real updates here because in in case you don't realize even though i'm not banging on about it in the media every week anymore science keeps examining covid there's lots and lots of research happening all the time Um, and new things are being found out and i'm also going to cover for you what the unknowns are and then speculate on what we should do should another pandemic arrive, what we learned from COVID. And again, as, as everybody would know, there's about to be a big inquiry here. I'm hoping the output from that inquiry will be, this is what we got right, we got certain things wrong and this is what to do next, the next time a pandemic emerges. What did we learn, not just in Ireland, but internationally? And by the way, I'm going to tell you what I think we should do. Uh, And it's it's good, actually. We've got grounds for optimism, should there be another pandemic, which there is bound to be at some point. But let's start with, as we all know, it jumped from a bat into a human in 2019 and it was SARS-CoV-2 was the virus and all that happened really was another respiratory virus jumped from an animal into a human and this happened about 8,000 years ago with flu so influenza we think jumped from domesticated chickens and pigs when we began domesticating those animals we picked up some other viruses that had changed slightly So so 8,000 years ago, roughly, now they can't get an exact um, date on it, but it's around the time of domestication of pigs or chickens. The influenza virus that lives in pigs and chickens changed slightly just through a random process and became better able to infect a human. And there must have been a single human being somewhere in the world who picked up influenza from either a pig or a chicken. We say pigs or chickens because they can both have influenza. And that began, can you imagine that began the influenza pandemic back then I suppose and that must have spread hugely must have killed lots of people but influenza then became a virus that could infect humans and every winter of course we still see influenza infecting us and can cause very severe disease and guess what SARS-CoV-2 is a bit like that a different family of viruses entirely they are coronaviruses SARS-CoV-2 is in the coronavirus family. Uh, Influenza is in the flu virus family. But still, another virus that jumps in uh, up your nose and into your airways and can make you sick, I suppose is the way to think of it. And what that means is SARS-CoV-2, like influenza, will be with us for the foreseeable future. Another reason for getting sniffles and colds and the symptoms that we get with flu and with COVID-19. But it is different, as, as I would explain, of course, because it's a different family of viruses altogether. Um, and and that's, that's the reality. It jumped into humans. And as we all know, it spread like wildfire because we were a naive population, hadn't been exposed to this virus before. Uh, and then gradually immunity built up in the population. And remember, your immune system evolved to react to this sort of event through evolution. We built a great immune system and many people get infected and many people survive. And the beauty of it is, of course, the immune system um, gives you memory because the immune system always remembers. And that means if you get reinfected, you get less severe disease. And again, evolution built that and you can see that would give you a survival advantage. But of course, unlike, say, 8,000 years ago, we had science to help us. And what did science do? Well, they found the virus, first of all, and then we made the vaccines. And of course, as we all know, the RNA vaccine's Made, they were tested for safety, they were tested for efficacy, and then they were launched on the world. And we all will remember, um, towards the end of that first year, the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine results were published. And remember, they gave 100% protection against severe disease. That was an important point that I was making at the time. They didn't give 100% from getting infected. But in those first trials, nobody developed severe disease who was vaccinated. And that was a very important finding for protection. Because you really want to protect against severe disease. Mild disease is less problematic, obviously. You're not going to die. And mild disease helps you build up immunity anyway. So, so that was an important feature. And then, of course, billions of people get vaccinated. What a tremendous uh, success story it's been. And in fact, the other big news recently was the WHO announced that in Europe, one4 Four million lives were saved with these vaccines. Now, just think about that for a minute. Imagine there's a war going on and your enemy has a really powerful weapon and it's going to kill millions of people. And imagine I can say to you, I'm going to give you something to stop that weapon killing millions of people. That's what this vaccine was. And that's why the US government, through Operation Warp Speed, put money into drug companies because the drug companies said, we can defend you against this awful illness. It's going to kill people. And now the numbers are very clear. Millions of lives have been saved by these vaccines, which is tremendous. Now, we then get on to uh, the therapeutic side and where the advances were there. And again, it's very clear now. Now, remember, the people at risk of developing severe disease are the unvaccinated people, obviously. And then secondly, obesity is a big one heart disease and most importantly age there's risk factors that you have if you're in those categories and if you get infected you're at risk of severe disease so of course vaccination stops protects you against that as we've just established Um, and then secondly therapeutics were discovered and if you ended up in hospital and this would be unvaccinated people who are treated in hospital of course uh, or the people who are high risk who you know, picked it up before the vaccine or maybe the vaccine didn't work as well on them because there will be variation there, especially if you're obese for instance, but if you're healthy this great protection but those people were given various drugs dexamethasone worked a bit now dexamethasone is an anti-inflammatory that protected the lungs and that was shown again to save an awful lot of lives antibodies were made by drug companies to mop up the virus and they can be used as well now of course your immune system makes the antibodies anyway but you can make antibodies in the test tube and inject them and they worked an antiviral drug called Paxlovid gets discovered by Pfizer and that kills the virus tremendous and that again is showing benefits and then other anti-inflammatories tocilizumab which blocks a cytokine called 6 that we work on in my lab and baricitinib which again blocks these things called cytokines. Now, cytokines are made by the immune system, and they can, when they go out of control, they can cause severe illness. So again, drugs were discovered, basically, uh, which could be used. Now, some of them were being um, uh, repurposed because baricitinib is used for things like arthritis to target cytokines. So it's Um And these then could be tested, and lo and behold, they worked. Now, they, they, they gave a good response. So now, one reason why the death rate has gone down a lot is vaccination, first and foremost. But secondly, in the hospital, there are therapeutic options to give to people. Hence this level of, you might call it optimism, I guess, that we should be okay, should the next one come along. Now, the unknowns. One big unknown is, will the virus change and become more nasty? There's a risk of that, but now we know the immune system will still probably stop you getting severe disease, even if a new variant crops up. You might catch it and get sniffles and a few symptoms, but your immune system will stop it progressing into severe disease, that's the good news there. There's less fear about a new variant basically cropping up, and then very importantly, two drugs which were touted as being great early on didn't work. One is hydroxychloroquine. That was recommended. People said that would work. Lots of people said that. Very prominent people, including Donald Trump, advocated for it. And guess what? Now, now it does not work. But, but but last week they revealed if you take hydroxychloroquine, there's an, an increased chance of death. If you've COVID, 11% increased risk of death. So that's a bad one. Uh, Ivermectin, another one that kills parasitic worms. That was tried as well, and that didn't work. And that's why we need the double-blind placebo-controlled trial done properly to test these things. There was a reason to do those trials, because hydroxychloroquine can be anti-inflammatory. For example in lupus and ivermectin in a test tube seemed to do things to the virus so it was worth testing them but then didn't work so you shouldn't they shouldn't have been advocated for until especially if started turn out to be dangerous and then so, so they, we can rule those out so basically where we're at after four years is we know what works and what doesn't the vaccines first and foremost anti-inflammatories antivirals all are great weapons to use against SARS-CoV-2 now what about the next pandemic? Well, of course, there's a chance of another coronavirus, a brand new one coming along, SARS-CoV-3. There, I mention it. What will we do then? Well, we'll make an RNA vaccine very quickly and we can do it within three to six months now. That's tremendous. Um, secondly, we know the virus is spread on the air. So we give out masks, N95s. Remember, effective masks like N95s do actually work. We look at ventilation being a very important feature as well to try to make sure that's up to scratch in our schools, and our hospitality settings. And then we can give these therapies. Dexamethasone should work against any coronavirus or indeed any inflammatory infection of the lungs. Uh, And some of the other anti-inflammatories should work as well. So in other words, if a new virus jumps, we can act fast to try to stop the pandemic emerging and spreading around the world. That's the really important goal here. Of course, if it turns out to be a bacteria that's, say, antibiotic-resistant or a fungus, then we'll have to think again and think, what are we going to do now? But let's hope we've learned lessons from the big COVID-19 pandemic that we can use against the next pandemic, which is bound to crop up at some point. So again, we've learned an awful lot, and science keeps working on this. There's massive efforts, for instance, to make an even better vaccine that will stop the thing spreading. The current ones don't really stop spread. Uh, that'll be tremendous. Or maybe a vaccine, we just need one shot and not lots of boosting, and many people don't find those vaccines. Equally, the other thing to talk about is long COVID. That is still a serious problem. And again, research is trying to treat that, predict it, and that's getting better as well. So again, that's a very useful set of research that's happening so so with the current situation then the science is still fighting this virus along those lines and what we learned can be deployed in any future pandemic and yet again science is our friend so there you have it an update on COVID-19 and thanks as ever for listening and remember my podcast is available for download every Thursday and it's a news talk production